0: Hey, hello everyone. I'm Marcus Handy, youth pastor, and I'm here with Jeff, my brother and friend for many years. Long time, yeah. Yeah, uh, he is a missionary in France, and he's with us today to share the word. Jeff, how long has it been since you uh, went out from Coastline and? Uh, 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 from? We left in 2017, June of 2017. So it's been almost seven years. Wow. Believe it or not, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. So, I'm going to go ahead and just hand this thing over to Jeff. And cool. God bless you, and we're. Excited to be encouraged by you, brother. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much. We can actually start with a, a moment of prayer, just really quick, and then we'll dive in. So, because um, you know it is church online. So, Lord, we just um, we thank you so much for technology that allows us to gather, even if we're not gathering. And um, we trust that you've designed the day. We we see your sovereignty in it. And I just pray that you'd bless our time and that you would give an opportunity for us to to see each other face-to-face and um, that you'd bless this little moment online. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as Marcus shared, um, yeah, we, we were here at Coastline. Well, here. We were at Coastline. We moved to Astoria in 2007. And we were here until... Well, I guess, yeah, so we left in, in 2017, but um, I wanted to share, just like Marcus was talking about the week of prayer and fasting, that's um, that's when we actually got our call to to go on mission. And um, so it was January of 2015, and we were in the middle of the week of prayer and fasting, and my wife, Sonia, and I were, were in bed, and... Uh, I suddenly heard a voice that said, get up. And so I did what any normal man would do. I tried to roll over and go back to sleep. And uh, I saw that Sonia was already out of bed and um, on her knees praying. And so I was like, oh man, this is like, this is serious. And so I got up too. And we didn't have any direction or anything. We just got up and we're like, Lord, we just want to worship you. And obviously you woke us up with a purpose And so, um, you know, if you want us to pray for something in particular, um, that's what we're here for. And so um, this was right after the Charlie Hebdo attacks that had happened in France, maybe a month or so, just before. And so we started praying for the church, that the, the church in France would be full of love and compassion and be able to come alongside people that were scared or, or broken after the, the attacks. And it was a really heartfelt prayer. We, we prayed probably for 45 minutes with tears and we were really moved. And afterwards it was done. Like Sonia went back to bed. I went out in the living room and I was just scrolling through social media and I found a post just happened acro- across a post From a pastor in Paris and I I told him that we had woken up in the middle of the night and we were praying for him and he responded we had a friend in common and and um, so from that point I had a a burden for France and it was really just to continue to pray I didn't have any other direction and um, so I, I started planning a trip to to go to France to meet the people that we had been praying for. And so in 2015, I went to France with Andy Ziesmer and uh, Rick Morgan, a, a friend from church that that did sound, well, he was on the sound team with me. And we went to France and while we were in France, that's when the Bataclan attacks happened. And so that was a really big confirmation for for me, for our family. And we started looking at, uh, going on mission and so I just it's interesting you know when I tell people that that you know God woke us up in the middle of the night in the middle of a, a week of prayer and fasting that it's kind of like wow God actually he spoke to you well that was like the last time he's ever woke me up it's not like it's not like a, a recurring thing and so now it's we're at this place where it's just faithfully serving him and uh, hearing from him in, in kind of the normal channels so that's like as he reveals his will through his word through prophecy through prayer and and then just we see the way that God designs things through his providence which I think today is you know a pretty obvious thing like I, I flew halfway around the world to come and, and see you guys and um and here we are doing an online service that I could have done from home so but yeah it's It's really interesting to, um, so just our our experience with Coastline, we were there, um, we started at Coastline in 2008, I started serving as a deacon in 2010, Sonia was serving, she was in children's ministry, the coffee shop at that point, we had coffee ministry, and then later worship, and we were just, we, we served everywhere we could, that's been our, of our heart from the beginning. And um, so now we serve as missionaries, which basically just means that we're ordinary people that, that are serving the Lord with everything that we can. And, um, and the Lord has moved us, but we were really doing the same thing when we were here in Astoria. We're meeting with people and sharing the love of Christ. And it's a, it's a real huge blessing god's doing amazing stuff in france Um, i could talk really for hours about the amazing stuff that the lord's doing in our church and our our community so uh, when i say we serve as missionaries what that means for us is we are actively involved in reaching our community the people in our city and uh, we're also church planters and so i pastor a church called Église Trouvée, which means found church in french and the Lord's just blessed it. It's a a church body that really everybody really really loves one another and um, and loves the Lord and we've been growing together and um, just growing closer together and closer to the Lord as we're as we're going forward and it's just a sweet sweet heart in the church. But one of the things that I I, I wanted to um, talk about today, like. Like Marcus mentioned, there's this week of prayer and fasting, and it's centered around surrender. And part of the the idea of surrender, for me, in mission or where we are, is that we have to surrender in a way our ideas or the things that make sense to us. For example, uh, I, when we moved to France, didn't speak French, <laughs> so I spent the first year there just completely ineffective. I didn't, I didn't know the language, I didn't know the culture. You go and you basically, you're starting life over. It's like you're a baby, except you're going into the bank to open a bank account and saying, you take money for me. Now, you know, you just, you're butchering whatever you're trying to say, whatever you're trying to con- convey. And, and so it doesn't make sense. I've asked myself so many times, I asked other people as well, why would God send an American to France to share the gospel, to preach, when there are French Christians that already speak the language, that already know the culture, that already have friends. And the reality is, I don't know. I have no idea. But God's done it. And so for me, my job, really, our job, I would say, because we're all called on mission, is just to obey him, even though it doesn't make sense, even if it feels like a waste. And so... If we think about the the aspects of worship to the world, it doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't make sense for us to to um, give uh, like prayer seems impractical, um, giving seems foolish, loving is dangerous because we've all been hurt before. We we're we're trying to to find something that makes sense, but really, like when we start walking with the Lord, we find that that. For us, worship is just a natural thing, but for other people, it, it's something that doesn't make sense. And I was, I was drawn to the text. Um, it's in Mark fourteen, it's verses three through five. Well, to start, and we're just going just really quickly. Just want to talk about this idea. So, Mark fourteen, three through five, and I'm, I'm going to read from the ESV this morning. It's kind of cool. I'm preaching in English and. It's a foreign deal for me. So if I drop into French or, or slow down, that's, that'd be the why. So Mark 14, 3 through 5, it says, And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? for this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. And so we see that that Jesus there, he's at the house of Simon the leper. He's having dinner with a leprous man. That's really frowned upon culturally. And so basically, like we could just sum it up and say, Jesus is hanging out with rejected people. And so while he's at the table, a woman comes and John in John's gospel, the same story, we, we know that it's Mary that comes, and she pours this perfume. This, she breaks open an alabaster, alabaster flask and pours this perfume on the head of Jesus, and then she starts to wash his feet with her hair. And it's so, like, if we think about, like, culturally what she's doing, if we think about, like, as a person what she's doing, we get into the scene there, like, she's come to dinner, they're all sitting at the table, and she just comes up and just starts worshiping with this very expensive perfume. It's probably like one of the most precious things that she had, and she dumped it on Jesus's head. And just the idea of breaking that flask, like there's no going back once she's committed to worshiping. And then she pours it on his head, and then she's just completely humiliated. I can imagine if it was me, like, being in that situation, like, oh, I feel like I'm supposed to do this, but, like, what are people going to think? It's going to be awkward. I'm going to break a conversation. What, everybody's going to be weird. And the reality is, like, she, she was obedient to that direction that she had to worship Jesus in that way. And it says, again, just in Mark 14, 4, there were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? And so there's that, like, we see that the disciples are like, man, even the disciples. So this is from from Matthew 26. It says that the disciples were like, oh, man, what is she doing? What a waste. This is 300 denarii. So it's like pretty much a year's wages for this perfume. And she just poured it out. We could have done something for the poor. And so we have this idea sometimes where where we feel called to do something and it feels like a waste. or like we sometimes we look at other people and, and their call and and we're kind of in a position where we' we think we know what God's calling them to do or what their direction is and so we can judge other people and or, or even, a lot of times we judge ourselves and just go, man, you know, that can't be right. This is a waste. I shouldn't be doing this. And so all of that is like, it is, it's us judging. We're saying, according to me, according to my ideas, this is wrong. This is a waste. So in this story, we have the oil. Oh man, it was worth so much money. What a waste. Think of it. We could have helped the poor. We could have done good things with this. And it was just, man, once it's on the floor, it's over. There's no way to collect it back up. Or like, you know, I, I had in my head about this trip, like, I, I flew all the way here. Why? What is Is it a waste? Well, no, it's not. It's, I mean, if I think about it, if I know the Lord, then I know that this isn't a waste. But it's time. It's time away from family. It's money for the flight. It's uh, time away from my church. And all of this just to do a service online. We think about the cross, Jesus going to the cross. What a waste. He was an incredible teacher. He had an amazing following. He was doing amazing things. And there he is on the cross in between two criminals. And he's suffering and dying like a common criminal. Jesus, the most precious thing ever physical in the universe, the most valuable person, the most valuable being, was treated like a common criminal. What a waste. Or we look at a situation or a relationship in our life. We look at like our problems. Maybe we have a problem that has become bigger in our mind than God is. It's the thing that takes all of our attention. All of our thoughts are on it. We're we're focused on this problem. It's the biggest thing that we have, which like anything that takes our thoughts away from God is what? An idol. It's an idol. Can bad things be idols? Yeah, of course. Anything that takes our attention away, a dream, a hope, a desire, uh, a bad relationship, something that is, anything that is pulling us away from the Lord is an idol and it has, to, it has to go down. So we have these things where we're looking at a situation. We're like, this situation was a waste. God let me be in that situation. And we have to change our mindset and see that God put us in that situation and God wastes nothing. He wastes nothing. We can, like, I want to read this text. I'm trying to be really succinct because uh, everybody's in their jammies and stuff. And, and I, I want to, to, to really touch on this. But Mark 14, verse 6 through 9, Jesus' response is beautiful. He says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And so what's so cool about this is I'm just going to draw out like two little points. The first is Jesus says, leave her alone leave her alone. That's a command. Jesus is like, stop. <laughs> right? And the second thing is she has done what she could. And in the, in the Greek, it says she did what she had. Like it's literally like what she had, what she was holding in her hand. She was doing what was there. And we often, we don't know what Jesus is doing. Like the disciples, we don't understand. Jesus was like, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be crucified. And they're like, what? I don't don't know. Jesus, no, what? No, we're going to have breakfast tomorrow. You know, they're just trying to go on with their life. And so we have to have this perspective where we're willing to step out and walk in faith, even when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to obey God, even if it looks like a waste. And this is what that walk of faith is. It's a surrender of our will, but not only of our will, it's also a surrender of our ideas where our perception, our logic. Now, I'm not saying that we have a blind faith because we don't. We have a very, very logical faith. The Christian faith is actually very scientific. We can back up what we believe through the scriptures, through archaeology, all the aspects of science, back up what we believe. But we we have to take a second place to the authority of God's word and to his character as it's revealed in his word. And so like I touched on earlier, a lot of times I have the habit of judging myself and it hit me. It was just last week I was reading the scriptures. And it was in a, I was reading a text and I, I, I came back with this question afterwards. Do I believe that God can heal people? And I imagine all of us are going, yeah, totally. And then the question in my mind was, do I believe that God can heal people by me laying hands on them? Or by, can he use me to heal people? And I said, honestly, no. <laughs> I have trouble believing that. And I realized in that moment that and I repented. I was reducing God's ability to my capacity. You see, I was making God my size. I was making God in my image instead of me being in God's image. And so that repentance, I turned everything back and brought it back to God can do anything, anything. There's a scripture, it's in 1 Corinthians 4, verses one through five, and I love this. This is Paul talking to the church and he says, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of, of the mysteries of God moreover it is required of stewards that they would be fa- that they be found faithful but with me it is a very small thing that i should be judged by you or by any human court in fact i don't even judge myself for i am not aware of anything against myself but i am not thereby acquitted it is the lord who judges me therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time before the lord comes who will bring all things now hidden in darkness Oh, bring to light. I'm sorry, uh, the things now hidden in darkness, and will di- disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his condemnation from God. And so we have the the perspective of Paul, where he's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not qualified to judge. There's one judge. I'm not qualified to judge my fellow man. And I'm not qualified to judge myself. It's God that's going to judge. And so as we're Looking at this idea, this idea of surrendering our logic or even surrendering our feelings about other people, about other things, about how God's working, it's not so that we are, like I said, just walking out of blind faith. The idea there is that our spirit is communing with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and that we are being led in faith, by the Spirit, so that as we're walking forward, it's neither an emotional or neither an emotional response, nor, I don't know, drawing an English language blank there, but it's it's not um, emotion or logic, but we're walking according to the Spirit. And so the question is, is there something in your life, in my life, in our lives that we're judging to be a waste right now? Man, I'm excited to be here. God has a perfect plan for why we're doing online here. There's, I mean, the weather is what it is. And so I'm not fighting against it, not judging it. It's beautiful. We're sharing in this context. It's different. So is there anything that I'm judging in my life or, or that you're judging in your life? where we're looking at things and going if only this thing wasn't in my life i would i would be able to serve the lord if this situation or this this relationship or this job or whatever it is if that thing wasn't there if oh if people weren't watching a lot of times it's fear of man going back to that that picture of mary pouring that ointment out and can you imagine that hurdle that she had to she had to get over Regarding the fear of man, stepping over cultural boundaries, stepping over all of these things, or the fear of failure is another thing that will hold us back, that will prevent us. Like, oh man, what if I fail? What if I fail? Well, if we fail, we fail. Like, we can go. We have, we have no boundaries on what God is going to do outside of his will. So if we're walking in obedience, I think about Philip going down to the desert. He went down to... He didn't know he was gonna meet an Ethiopian eunuch. He went down, I'm speaking from the book of Acts there. He goes to the desert and he meets a guy and he shares the gospel with him. He had no idea. Spirit said, go. How much water did he take? How much food did he take? We have no idea. Was he prepared for a week, a month? No idea. He went, he obeyed, and then the Lord moved. And so, are we, are we ready to allow the Lord to move in us and to accomplish His will, are we willing to let our hands come off of it and just go, you know what, Lord, I trust you. It doesn't make sense, but I trust you. And I'm glad to be where I am today. I, I'm willing, I'm able, I'm present, and I want you to just be glorified by whatever you're doing in me today. We can change the way that we view things. I will say too, criticism It's one of the devices that the enemy uses against. We are critical of ourselves. We're critical of other people. Man, the devil, he's got a really small playbook. It's distraction, discouragement, division, (laughs) like over and over and over and over again. We're distracted by what other people are doing. We're discouraged by what we feel like we should be doing. We're divided when we're looking at other people and not looking at the Lord. All of these things come into play. We can avoid all of it by just going, Lord, your will be done accomplish whatever you want to do. And then the second question is, what is in your hand that you can do for Jesus, the Redeemer of our soul? Because the reality is, yeah, I'm a missionary. I live in France. And it's amazing. God has moved huge in my life. But you know what? When I left for France, people asked me what I was going to do. And I said, I'm going to do the same thing that I'm doing here. I'm going to meet with people. I'm going to talk to them about what I believe. I'm going to build relationships. I'm going to, I'm going to invest in that relationship so that I earn the right to speak truth into somebody's life so that I can communicate the most valuable message in the world. And so we're all on mission. We're all called. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, like all authority has been given to me. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And I'll say that go is not the, the command. Make disciples is the command in that phrase. And He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so we have this opportunity to be on mission. Well, what does that, what does that look like in your context? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I imagine it involves either work or school. I imagine it involves your family and your friends. I imagine that you're either serving through prayer, you're serving through evangelization, you're serving through giving, you're serving through... There are plenty of ways to serve, but we're all called to partake. We're all involved together in in fulfilling the Great Commission. And the goal is to create worshipers, (laughs) to, to expand the kingdom so that people see who Jesus is and falls in love with him. And so that's my encouragement for you today is to to be bold and to step out of the even the self-discouragement of judging a situation that really we have no idea what God's going to do with. And also to serve God with whatever is in your hand. If you're mobile, if you're a student, if you're... um, stuck in a a workplace with one other person all the time, if you're a mother at home, taking care of your kids, whatever the context is, there's an avenue for you to make a disciple. There's, well, what does that mean, make a disciple? It's not really uh, like a, a mystical process where we go to a mountaintop or anything like that. It's in its simplest form. Hey, I'm walking with Jesus. Walk with me come meet Jesus. And we just take the hands of a sinner or of a, another person and we put them in the hands of the Savior. Simple, simple. We shine with the light of Christ, that, the light of Christ that just, I just visualize it as a light going out in all directions until it hits something indiscriminately. doesn't make any distinctions for race or education or social status or No, the love of Christ just goes until it hits something. And so we want to be full of the love of Christ and walking in that love by the Spirit as He's leading us and take our decision-making process and just have it be second and submitted to the will of God as we walk with Him. Amen. Lord, I pray that you would encourage and bless my brothers and sisters today, that they would walk with you in the power of your Spirit I pray, Lord, that you would give each one a heart of surrender. And I pray for this week of prayer and fasting that's coming up, that you would strengthen and encourage my brothers and sisters through it, that you would speak to them, and that you would do radical, radical things for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.